What's going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in Clovis, California, in his lovely room, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody. Hey, hey, everybody. What is going on? Happy Cinco de Mayo. And this is the first live stream episode of Drew Code, so we are pretty excited. And we got a super jam-packed episode for you guys, so you guys are going to want to stay tuned for that. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Drew Code Sports Talk. So, that being said, let's get started. Just kill no discretion. Your mind is a weapon. 11-11, it's time for progression. You could try to play, but you're never going to beat me. the other way, what I'm doing yeah, you guys are seeing this right. It is a live stream. Uh, if you're watching it later, this is not so live, but still, we did it. Okay, just believe us. Don't check the tape. Don't check the tape. Just, just watch it. All right. Anyway, just we're very these excited. Strangers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just yeah. <laughs> Please believe these strangers there. No, but uh, we're just trying something new. Uh, you know, maybe adding a little bit more to our game. I guess. Um, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm very excited about today's episode, obviously live show aside, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, there's N- NBA, there's NFL talk, there's MLB. So we have a lot to cover Cody. Um, so it's not going to be a short show. So I am very sorry in advance, but before we get into everything that is sports, Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, just really excited for tonight's live stream episode, which it's going on right now, and can't wait to dive into these topics. And you know, I've been yakking year off all week about uh, this new thing I'm going to throw at you. So pretty excited about it, and I'm also excited for tomorrow night's uh, uh, Doctor Strange movie. We're going to go and see that on a date night, the wife and I. So Very nice. super excited for that. But how are Very you nice. doing, Mister Mister with the mustache? How's it going? Yes, it is mustache man. I don't know if you can see it. Well, now you can. You can definitely see it now. I was actually going to shave around here this morning so it would pop out a little bit more. Unfortunately, uh, things didn't go according to plan this morning. It was very chaotic this morning, so <laughs> we just we just ignored this. But you can still see the stash. That's all right. It is uh, mustache May for uh, if you're a Giants fan, you'll understand. If you're not, um, that's okay. It's uh, not all of us can be perfect and, you know, it's, it's okay to, to have flaws. Yeah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I was really excited about this. And actually when I did it, just a short story, I did it May 1st, I shaved it mm-hmm. and I walked into the room, uh, into my bedroom and my wife was sitting there and then she looks at me and she was telling me something. And then she stopped mid sentence and was like, I forgot you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she was and it wasn't like it wasn't like oh i forgot you were gonna do that it was more like i forgot you were gonna do that and i wish you didn't <laughs> i bet she can't wait until it's gone <laughs> yes we have a lot of um a lot of uh graduations this month so i did tell her that i'll probably either grow out my beard or just be clean shaven Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to uh, when when we need to start doing pictures and stuff. But I said, it's staying until then. So she said, that's fine, whatever. I will say, though, I am a little disappointed. I did mention this a couple of times on my polo talking to you. And even the polos I've gotten from you recently, since you've added the mustache, you have still not worn your aviators like instructed. 
I oh, that say, and... you need to wear the aviators and you need to say meow for no reason at all, just like in uh, <laughs> right meow, troopers. right meow. Right meow. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Super troopers is what you're thinking of. Um, no, you know, um, my my aviators are actually they're kind of messed up right now, the lenses, so mm-hmm. I need to get those fixed. So I haven't been able to wear them. I think so, I know a guy that can help you out. Yeah, you know, I'll ask him, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway. So uh, really excited about uh, today's episode, Cody. Um, We were actually going to talk a lot more about the NBA playoffs last week, and we really didn't get to everything. So this week is that week. Um, And then we're going to talk a little, little bit, little bit of NFL talk. And then, uh, of course, we're going to be doing our top five power rankings of MLB. And then uh, Cody has a uh, surprise for me. Surprise. I think you said five questions, right? Yeah, I was able to. I was able to accumulate five questions for you. You were able to get work. five questions. Yeah, yeah I'm it sure was it really did. tough. The last, I'm sure the, the last four were tough. So. I'm sure those questions were in your head all week long. Um, so, because you had been telling me about it since like yesterday, you're like, I got like questions, man. I'm three, maybe five, and I was like, you got five. There's a hundred percent. It's gonna be five. Yeah. And then you messaged me today. You're like, I got five. And I was like, I yeah, I figured. It was not. <laughs> there was no question to. Uh, <laughs> there was no question about it. It was gonna be five. All right. So let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Um. And real quick, let's talk about the Warriors and the Grizzlies um, series right now, which is actually tied 1-1. This has been an exciting series. I think more exciting than what we thought. There's a lot of drama that's going about it. Obviously, the uh, Gary Payton Jr. injury that happened, um, which, I mean, whether you like it or not, it was a cheap shot. I'm just going to say that right now. It it was a cheap shot. Every NBA player watches it and is like, that was such a cheap shot. (laughs) Like, I mean, yeah, you want to play tough, but, I mean, you you just don't do that in those those times. So, um, unfortunately, he looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the playoffs, which is kind of sad. But I don't think he was, like, an offensive piece that they really needed. I think it was more defensive. And... I mean, when we talk about the Warriors, I think the Warriors as a whole are still okay. Yeah. But, Cody, I mean, this has been an interesting series. I mean, Jaw went for, what, 47 mm-hmm. uh, the last game. So, I mean, your thoughts, who you think is going to end up on top? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's what's kind of your analysis on this game so far? Well game, well, game one, I thought that the Warriors basically just showed that their experience uh, – was going to be basically the difference maker in this uh, in this series against Memphis because they are essentially a really young team. I think the youngest in the league, and they're going up against basically three-time champions in Draymond Green, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. And you know, Draymond Green gets thrown out of the game. Klay Thompson has a poor shooting game. Steph Curry didn't really shoot very well either, but Jordan Poole kind of helped him stay in the game. Steph Curry found his shot, you know, late in that game in Game One. And I, in my opinion, I thought, you know, Memphis had everything to go or everything for them to basically win game one. And then they still found a way to, to lose. And then game two, obviously, Memphis came out way more physical. Uh, and, you know, the Warriors hung in there. The Grizzlies did, you know, break away and John Morant just basically took over. But I think the thing, too, that we have to remember is like Clay Thompson went something something ridiculous, like two of two of 14 or two of 16 from three point range. 
none of the Warriors shot very well from three-point range, which is very rare. And yet they only lost by, I think, like five points. So, you know, in my opinion, like, did the Grizzlies play physical? Yes. But I think with, you know, the Warriors having Jordan Poole, uh, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, they have all these offensive weapons. And then you have Draymond Green, who's basically, you know, all NBA defense for a number of years. Even though he's a little older, has been injured, you know, for most recently in his career, he's still a really good defender. And you can see him orchestrating the defense, orchestrating the offense, and, you know, it's sometimes getting the best of Memphis. But, you know, with how the series has been playing out being very physical, I don't think it's I don't think it's the Warriors game, but I think they have so many shooters that you have to account for that it's gonna it's throwing off the defense of Memphis. Um, but in my opinion, I think the Warriors still will pull this out. It may take six, maybe even seven games, but there's no way the Warriors are shooting poorly from three for the rest of the season, which I think is the huge, is the biggest factor. Cause there's nobody on the Grizzlies team on my, in my opinion, that can, sh- that can keep up the volume of threes at the Warriors. Well, I, I have to agree. I think, um, you know, I think this is the Warriors, um, series to lose, honestly. Um, the Golden State Warriors are an incredible offensive team, and we always talk about their offense. We always talk about Steph Curry hitting his threes, Clay Thompson hitting his threes, uh, Jordan Poole lately hitting his threes. Even Draymond Green every now and then will hit his threes. So, um, and you know Otto Porter Jr. He's a guy who can hit threes. Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they have so many guys who can who can hit all these threes, and they're and they're very talented offensively. Not not saying that they're not at all. But what I am saying is we don't talk enough about that defense. And that mm-hmm. defense is very stingy. Now, of course, Jaw went for 47. How can you say that their defense is this? Listen, Jaw is a special player. There, mm-hmm. I mean, Giannis puts up numbers even against a, a stingy Boston team. Uh, you know, they're, they're just those guys that can still get their points no matter what. But I will say this. The first game was very close. But I would argue it wasn't as close as it looked. I felt like there were some factors that kind of led towards Grizzlies kind of making a comeback. It looked like they might be able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the end, they didn't. Um, And then this game was very close as well. And I really think that the, the, the game was set, the tone was set when Gary Payton... Uh, junior did end up getting injured and i think that kind of sucked a little life out of the warriors Mm -hmm. now they didn't play terrible it wasn't like they weren't in the game the whole time but you know it it does you kind of have to change on the fly of what you're doing and i think you're going to see in game three you're going to really see a warriors team come out and really start just pouring it on the grizzlies i think the grizzlies are a nice team they're as you mentioned they're a young team Mm -hmm. um and um you know they're they're going to have to learn how to play, but you're right. The Grizzlies don't have the shooters that the Warriors have. Um, on bad nights, the games are going to be close. On good nights for the Warriors, they could end up blowing them out. And mm-hmm. I think the Grizzlies do have a good defensive team. I mean, Dylan Brooks, uh, obviously, um, he's probably going to be suspended for the next game. But um, Dylan Brooks is uh, is a great defender. Brandon Clark is a, is a good defender. Jaron Jackson, he's pretty good, you know. So they have some good defenders, but these are guys like Jaron Jackson. I don't really trust him against guards. Uh, Brandon yeah. Clark, he he can hold his own, 
But like John Morant, he's majority of the time on defense. He's kind of a liability in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's there, there's a lot of factors that just make me like, even though I saw the you know the performance by John Morant and how incredible it was, which you know I'm not taking anything away. But at the same time, I looked at I looked at that game and was like, I still think the Warriors are way better. Like I yeah. just feel like you know the tone was set and the Grizzlies took advantage and they were mm-hmm. home. Of yeah. course, so um, I think that played a factor, but I think you're going to see more uh, Warriors um, moving forward in, in this series. Yeah, I agree. All right, Cody, so let's talk about another series in the East. Let's talk about the uh, Sixers and the Heat. And right now, the Heat are up 2-0 uh, in the series. The Sixers, their their chances are slipping fast. I mean, James mm-hmm. Harden is James Harden of NBA playoffs. <laughs> that he's always been, yeah. unfortunately, um, you know, and then of course Joel Embiid being out, that was a that was a big blow mm-hmm. um, for for them. So, Cody, I'm mean, really curious of what your thoughts are on this series, um, you know, moving forward. I guess I think the Sixers, unfortunately, are going to get swept. I I think they'd even get swept even if. Uh, uh, Embiid comes back and my opinion is because the Heat's defense is too tenacious for the Sixers. Uh, the Sixers, you know, they have Tobias Harris, they've got Maxi, they do have Harden. Even if they did have Embiid, I don't think that that's enough to really, um, to really throw off the Heat's game. They're just playing on another defensive level. That's kind of borderline like Detroit Pistons of like Oh four when they won the title that year. Cause it's, it's very, very tough to score on this defense, but you know, James Harden, you can tell with years of being in the league, you know, injuries, he's just not the same. And now you add the playoffs, which he never performed well in playoffs very often. Uh, it's even worse. I think I don't think he's attempted more than 20 shots in this entire playoffs uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is looking like the best offensive player that they have currently outside of Tobias Harris, who's been the leading scorer the last couple of games. But you know, even still James Harden is the guy that is supposed to be the elite player to be carrying them. And he's not doing that. And I don't know if, if it's maybe doc rivers, offensive scheme, not getting him the ball. I'm sure it's based on rotation and ball movement, but I think that if they have a chance, they need to find creative ways to get Harden the ball and to get him open shots. But, you know, does that even fit Harden's game or is he just an ISO guy and then pulls up from three, which the heat have already taken that away from him. So in my opinion, the Sixers are going to get swept. I don't think there's anything they can do. I mean, if Embiid comes back, maybe they can get one game, but then how, how uh, well will, will Embiid play just because not only does he have the thumb injury, now he's got the orbital, uh, the eye fracture basically mm-hmm. and a concussion. So when he comes back, how ready is he going to be? So there's just a lot of health factors that go against Embiid. James Harden isn't playing well. I think Sixers are getting swept, unfortunately. I I will push back in this sense of you you had said that you felt like even if Embiid were in this series, you feel like the Heat were still going to win. I, I would push back a little bit. I think the way that Joel Embiid was playing this year – who is going to stop him? I mean, Bam Adebayo is is a nice player, and he's he's a, a really good defender, and I think he can hold his own. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to stop Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, you can't. They have no one that they can switch on Embiid that could kind of make life 
um, not as easy for him. And I yeah. feel like he could dominate inside. He could dominate, you know, have a, you, you added that element, that shooter element that you have in Embiid. And then you look at, I mean, Harden, as much as, you know, we're, we're dumping on Harden right now, he actually has been shooting the ball well. He's just not – he can't create space like he used to. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't drive to the rack anymore. So uh, a lot of the times he does settle for shots, and a lot of the times, uh, you know, he's just kind of passing to, to someone else. So for me, I, I do feel like Embiid was a big um, – was a big factor. And I do, I did think that the Sixers had a really good chance of beating the heat, but with no Embiid and even with, even like you said, if Embiid does, does come back, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still don't know if I could see them pulling out a game now, because like if Joel Embiid is only half the guy that he is, it's not going to help. They need all of Joel Embiid. And, um, you know, this kind of just reminds me of why they got rid of Ben Simmons was mm-hmm. because when uh, Embiid went down, Simmons didn't take over the game. And it's kind of funny because they literally traded for a guy who they uh, they were like, oh, this guy can shoot. But now you just traded Ben Simmons, a guy who doesn't shoot but can get into the rack, could go to the rack at any time he wants to. Mm-hmm. And you traded for a guy who now – can't go to the rack anymore and just can shoot it. So they literally just swapped. And I think they lost a little bit of the defense, obviously getting James Harden. So, um, you know, I know a lot of people are looking at the Sixers though. They won this trade, but I don't know. I still don't see how much, how, how, like how big of a benefit James Harden was for this team. I just don't see it. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a now basically a spot up or catch and shoot guy now. Um, and he's not a bad person to do that. And he can pass, he's a really good passer, but that's not what the Sixers needed. They needed more. And unfortunately it's not working out for them. So I, I think you're right. I think heat are going to sweep them, but I will say this. I do feel like if Embiid were there and he Mm -hmm. was healthy, I do think that this would be a really interesting series. And I would, I would probably edge the Sixers just because who I would my thought process would be I don't know who's going to stop Embiid, um, but we'll never know. Yeah, so. uh, my my only pushback on you basically if Embiid were here the series would look a lot different and it sounds like you would say that you would edge the the uh, Sixers more likely to beat the the Heat with Embiid mm-hmm. just because how do you stop them? I would say that the Heat would take away all the other weapons and make. If Embiid's going to score, I think they all recognize you're, we're not stopping Embiid offensively. But what we can do is we can take away James Harden. We can take away Tobias Harris. We can take away Maxi. And mm-hmm. good luck with Embiid trying to beat us other ways because then what's Embiid going to do? He's not going to pass the ball. He's going to turn the ball over more because he's trying to do all the offense on his own. And he's going to break down. I think that that would be the strategy for the Heat if Embiid was in the season which is why I would say like even if Embiid were in the season I think the six, I think the heat excuse me would allow Embiid to do his thing but they wouldn't allow anybody else to and without your supporting cast you're not you're not beating the heat as collectively as they are they have all sorts of weapons on the bench in their starting lineup defensively that make it very difficult to run the offense that you need them to do look at what they did to Trey Young Look at obviously what we're talking about right now, what they're doing with James Harden. I think what they would do is they would just make everything around Embiid 
more difficult for him to be a factor in terms of facilitating in that in that factor is what I'm talking about. But I get what you're saying about, you know, they would put up a better fight. You're right in that sense. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I just I do think that um, Joel Embiid is very competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I think if it came to where he had to either pass the ball more or shoot the ball more, I think he would be willing to pass to, to win games. But sure. again, we'll we'll never know. But I, yeah. I th- you know, it's fair to say that, you know, maybe they they shut everyone else down. And I mean, right now, the Heat are kind of proven that they can. So uh, you're probably right. <laughs> um, so. The next one I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, the last West NBA playoff teams, and that is the Phoenix Suns versus the Dallas Mavericks. Suns are up 2-0 right now. Um, kind of looks bleak for the Mavericks. I mean, <laughs> literally, it's it's the um, Dallas Lucas, and uh, <laughs> then Dallas Lucas, and then Mavericks. So, <laughs> I mean... This is the problem that the Mavericks have had for since they've had Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one else. I mean, literally no one else steps up. I mean, I like Jalen Brunson, but he's not stepping up how I thought maybe he might. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they don't have Kristaps Porzingis, which actually they're they're playing better without yeah. Porzingis, but they literally have no other shooters right now. I mean, when they lost Seth Curry, that was mm-hmm. a big loss. So... I mean, do you think Dallas pulls out a win? Do you think this is a sweep? I mean, what are your thoughts on this one? You know what? The way that they lost game two, where basically they were close, and in the fourth quarter, the the Suns pulled away, and Chris Paul just basically embarrassed Luka, you know, with how Luka plays defense. He couldn't keep up with Chris Paul, Mm -hmm. switched it every time to have him try to guard Paul, and Paul just, you know, just basically abused him in that manner but i think the mavs will pull out one win i think it'll probably be like in dallas it'll be probably like a game three where i don't think the suns will completely close out the game but you know if this if the mavs for some reason just come out and obviously they've got nothing to lose if they just go all out in my opinion they're going to probably win one of their home games that's going to be coming up which i think will be the only game that they'll capture because I, it's hard to believe for me that Luca and you know even with the parts that he does have, I think they could squeak out just one win. The only tough part is they really don't have like what you mentioned. They really don't have anybody else to help him. I mean Spencer Dinwiddie, who comes off the bench, is a nice piece, but you know he's not putting up nearly as as much shots to kind yeah. of help Luca in that manner, which would be a huge difference. And they don't have any size to compete with the Suns. You know the Suns have Andre. Uh, Aiton, they also have uh, JaVel McGee. Those are big, tall guys in the paint that the Mavs don't have any bodies to keep out, nor do they have anybody that can, you know, keep up with going inside if they need to. Their game is pretty much around the perimeter and the three-point. Suns are a great team defense that close you out really well and push you off the line, and the Mavs don't know what to do once you get out of that. Um, But I do think that they will pull out one game, like I mentioned. I just... You know, this Suns team is clearly the best, in my opinion, in the NBA. I don't, I mean, even with all the other teams that we've seen, I've talked about Miami. I don't, I mean, the Suns look for real. Like, they are the team to beat, even though, you know, we will be talking about the Bucks soon. The Suns look like they're a even even better team than they were last year, and we thought that they were good last year. So uh, that that's my thoughts on the Mavs and the Suns. 
you know, I don't have too much to say uh, that I haven't already said. I mean, the Mavericks, they need, they need another guy. They need another piece. Um, you know, Luca, I mean, you know, the Lakers will take you if you want. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you guys want Anthony Davis? Um, we'll I give you Anthony Davis ever. and Westbrook right yeah. now. <laughs> no I questions. Mean, talking, talking about championship team oh my in gosh. 2016. Um, anyway, so I, you know, I, I feel bad for Luca. And like, well, you were talking about how Chris Paul was kind of like basically dominating him on on the uh, offensive and defensive side of the ball. I just, I, I know that Luca isn't the best defender, but I do also think like now the Mavericks know, listen, Luca is our only offense and we got to save him somehow. So I do feel like a lot of those were just Luca. Like they told him, Hey, just let him get there you know, live to see another, another down or another possession and, and uh, just, you know, go score the ball. We'll worry about the defensive part. You just, you know, if you think you're going to foul him or you don't have a shot at it, don't just let it go. You know, I, I feel like he's, he, there's gotta be some sort of conversation like that because there's literally no one else scoring the ball. It seems like for the Mavericks, it just, it's not happening. And, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know who they could get in this off season, but yeah, I mean, their season is done. This is, this is where they stop. I think you're right. I do believe that they are going to get one game, uh, probably in Dallas. Uh, Luke is going to go for like 47 points and, um, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, he, Luca can't be stopped. And then the next game, you know, the sun, it'll probably be like the game four where the Suns could finish the sweep and, you know, Luca just plays out of his mind. So, yeah. Uh, which the, I mean, that would probably be a good uh, a good game to bet on if you're a betting man. So. Yeah, the Mavs did a really good job at disguising their defensive scheme to not expose Luca, and Paul just did that. And it reminds me a lot of when Boston, I want to say in 2014 or 15, when Isaiah Thomas was on the Celtics, and mm. they went against the Cavaliers with LeBron, and they made it a point to isolate Isaiah Thomas because, again with the Celtics team, they did a really good job at disguising their defense to not exploit him. And the Cavs actually mm-hmm. did that. They were able to isolate him and scheme plan and scheme and game plan for that to where obviously Isaiah is a short man. He's not going to be able to take really anybody with some height one-on-one defensively. That's why they would need to bring over help and it would draw yeah. double team kickouts and all that stuff. So this is kind of familiar to that mm-hmm. just because this has never been Luca's game for defense. He kind yeah. of, he kind of is like a free safety in a sense where he just kind of roams around and then he is great offensively. But, you know, if the Mavs ever have a future moving on, Luca's got to learn to play some defense as well just for situations like this. I mean, James Harden was known for a no defense guy and then now not so much. Now, now like he's pretty decent on defense and could even cause a couple of turnovers when needed. And I think Luca needs to step up in that sense to progress his game and to help the Mavs improve for the future in my opinion too all right cody so let's talk about uh the last uh series and one that's besides for me besides the warriors and grizzlies has been the second most interesting uh series and this is the celtics versus the bucks it's tied 1-1 right now uh mm-hmm. milwaukee looked like they just completely bullied Boston in game one. And then in game two, the Celtics bullied the Milwaukee. So yeah. 
it was it was very interesting mm-hmm. to say the least. It's 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 very interesting to see how everyone is adjusting. So game three is going to be, I think is going to be the tell all game of, okay, this is how the rest of the series is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying whoever wins. I just think you're going to see how Boston plays defense, how, how Milwaukee plays defense. And then uh, the offenses as well, you know, how are they playing offense? And I think you can predict who's going to win from there yeah. um, the rest of the series. But, you know, I, after game one, I, I will be honest. After game one, I was like, okay, maybe we overrated Boston a little bit. Or mm-hmm. I guess in a sense, we overrated Brooklyn, which is in turn, we overrated Boston mm-hmm. because we thought Brooklyn was this like such a good team, but you know, they had no team chemistry. Mm-hmm. Now looking back on it, obviously hindsight, um, you're kind of like, yeah, they have no team chemistry. Why would we even think that they would be, they would win that series right. uh, and they play no defense. And with Boston, you know, it was like, oh, my gosh, they they beat this incredible Brooklyn team. And then we kind of like, eh, maybe Brooklyn wasn't that good. And then I kind of think we had the the hype of Boston going into the game one. And Milwaukee just kind of bullied him. And we were like, oh, maybe Brooklyn was just that overrated, you know. Sure. But then game two, the defense really stepped up. And I think this is what a lot of people, I think, are forgetting here is – Marcus Smart is their defensive anchor. He is their their number one defender, okay? Mm-hmm. But the thing about mo- why guards don't win the NBA um, Defensive Player of the Year is simply they can't guard every single position. And I think you're seeing this now with Boston. Even with Marcus Smart out, their defense hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. It's been the same. Now, when Robert Williams went out for them, it was kind of a different story where they had to kind of scramble a little bit, kind of had to figure out, okay, who's going to start, who's going to take that Williams um, uh, defensive role here and and who's going to have to, you know, get a few more minutes and yada, yada, yada. Well, with Marcus Smart, he can guard your best guard. Mm -hmm. But right now, their best guard is Drew Holiday. Now, would Marcus Smart maybe guard like uh, Chris Middleton if he were in? I would I would say yeah probably they would probably put him on a lot but mm-hmm. essentially their defense really hasn't had to change they're really just ganging up on Giannis exactly what you said with the with the whole Embiid thing was you know they're they're just focusing on Giannis making him have to pass out of that or um, you know find make another guy make a play and you and I we had talked about last week you know Drew Holiday we really like Drew Holiday he's mm-hmm. not the best shooter I mean he's a good shooter of course but he's not a, a you know a Chris Middleton where they can rely on him constantly mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what Milwaukee is really missing right now is Giannis is, is a great player of course but they don't really have that second guy they can rely on just kind of like what we were talking about with the Mavericks mm-hmm Mavericks literally have no one and the Bucks they have some guys who could step up but really aren't doing much and you're seeing the Celtics really really exploit that and I I gotta say after game two I was really impressed with the Celtics I'm probably going to take the Celtics in this um in this series Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably say it's going to be a seven gamer, even though I did say that about the Nets. But I do think Milwaukee and Boston are fairly equal in yeah. in a sense because um, you know I'm talking a lot about Boston's defense, but 
I gotta say, Milwaukee's defense is, you know, when you have Giannis, it does help a lot. So, yeah. Um, and he's a guy who could guard a guard, a center, or his position of forward. So, yeah. Um, that, but I do see like they're exploiting Milwaukee's offense, and right now Milwaukee's offense is kind of stagnant mm-hmm. because, like I said, they don't have that shooter. So. Um, for anyway, that was, that's kind of what I've been looking at through the series. I really like the Celtics. I'm actually very impressed. I'm back on the bandwagon for the Celtics. <laughs> um, just cause I've just been very impressed with the way they, they handled uh, game two. Well, I will side with, uh, taking the bucks in seven then, uh, as opposed to you taking the Celtics. So, I, I get what you're saying about the Celtics and maybe we overhype them. I think game one obviously is a typical game where they're both defensively great, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, the probably Milwaukee's strength is they have a really great, uh, they have a really great perimeter defense, uh, which kind of sets the tone. And then you have Giannis, obviously he's so long. You're right. He can guard basically one through five very easily. Uh, and with the Boston Celtics, their defense obviously comes from uh, from their interior. It also comes from Marcus Smart, who kind of sparks them. But I think the Bucks championship experience will prevail in this sense. Um, because in game one, what they did is they allowed Boston to shoot threes and Boston's shot just wasn't falling. You know, then that's probably that's why they look so, so unmatched with. Uh, Milwaukee is because Milwaukee allowed them to have these open threes and Boston just couldn't capitalize it. And so then Milwaukee just beat them up in the paint. And obviously we all seen that clip where uh, Jason Tatum is trying to post up Giannis and Giannis just takes him right off the rack and (laughs) basically gets an and one. And there's nothing Jason Tatum could have done about that. Um, But in game two is very compelling because Milwaukee again allowed Boston to have those three point shots, but this time, Jalen Brown was hitting those three-point shots. Uh, Williams was hitting those three-point shots. Tatum was hitting his three-point shots. So what that did, though, is it did expose the Buc- uh, the, the Bucks to make <laughs> sure – I almost said Buccaneers uh, – <laughs> to make sure that they now – they actually have to now, um, you know, respect that three-point shot. You can't just give them open because, you know, Celtics are actually a pretty sneaky shooting team. And when you leave them open for three, they'll make you pay for it. They didn't do it in game one, but the but the shot was falling in game two. And I think, though, the um, Milwaukee Bucks will change up that defensive strategy to where they'll now make them work a little bit harder. Because I think the more physical the series goes on, the harder it'll be for Boston. Because Boston's injured right now, so any more physicality is a kind of a detriment to them. But... I don't know if Drew Holiday is going to be able to step up in the number two scoring role, which is very concerning because Chris Middleton was able to relieve that. He was the number two guy. It gave Drew Holiday the ability to play defense, didn't worry about offense, and facilitate when needed. And, you know, there'd be times where Drew Holiday would have a 20-point game, and it was the quietest 20 points you've ever heard because that's not where he was focusing on. He was just playing defense, facilitating, but it was – you know, Giannis, it was Middleton that was scoring the ball primarily. But now that Drew Holiday's going to have to fit in the number two role, they're going to have to look from offense from, uh, you know, Blake, uh, Brooke Lopez, from uh, Bobby Portis. Um, they're going to have to maybe even call upon uh, Grayson Allen again to, 
you know, for his shot to fall. So they're going to have to look for more creative ways. But I think they proved in the last series that when when other players need to step up, they will step up. And I think it's that championship experience that they have now that I think will prevail over Boston. I think these playoff series specifically will just outline that if you have the experience, you will outlast your competition just because we have a lot of new young teams in the NBA in the NBA playoffs. I'll use the Mavs. I'll use, uh, we'll say that I don't say the Celtics are a new team in the NBA, but they don't have the championship experience like the Bucks do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Heat have been in the finals in the last two seasons. You can clearly tell that they're the more dominant team against the Sixers. Uh, you know, fill in uh, the Warriors, you, you, as you mentioned, in, in their game two. You know, the game didn't really pull away from Memphis. Just they just hit more shots late in games. But you can clearly tell the Warriors are the more experienced team than the Grizzlies. So I think this year's playoff series are going to be determined based on your experience, not necessarily any other factors. Just because at the end of the day, you're going to want players that have been there before that can rise to the occasion as before. And that's why I'm going to take Bucks in seven. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, this series has already been really fun. And it's like, I was just looking at the scores right now and game one and game two, like the scores were identical, just the scores were flipped for the team. So, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting game three. I think game three, like I said, I do feel like that's going to be like the deciding factor of how the rest of this series is going to go. So Cody, yeah. I have one more question for you before we go to break. Okay. Who do you have coming out of the East? And who do you have coming out of the West in the NBA? Oh, my gosh. Man. Well, okay. So if I'm going to – I'm just going to base it off of who I predict is coming out of of the series that we're talking about. So if we're talking about now the Bucks are going to go against the, the Heat in the East, unless Chris Middleton comes back during that series, I'm going to say the Heat's going to move on from that one just because they've got more offensive weapons than the Bucks. If again, this is if Chris Middleton doesn't come back in enough time for this series, for that series. Um, and if it's the Warriors and the Suns, I got to say, I think I'm going to take the Suns to, to uh, move on back to the NBA finals. I think Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you have Aiton, uh, you have Mikael Bridges, who basically was runner up to defensive player of the year. Uh, they just have a really solid team and they play team defense. Um, I think they learned their lesson from last year and they're hungrier. So I would say that if I were to pick a Western team, it'd be the Phoenix Suns. My East team would be the Miami Heat. And I think that's an now interesting playoff matchup itself just because of all the, again, the aspects of the players and the defense and all that good stuff. So who, who wins between those two teams? I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns. I just think that Chris Paul is on a mission. And barring injury, I will say that just because yeah. for some reason, every time he gets into the playoffs, something happens, he gets injured <laughs> where he can't, he's not a hundred percent healthy. So if there's no injury, I think the Phoenix Suns go all the way. Chris Paul finally gets that championship because we've got a great team. Devin Booker is just a sniper. He can score from all over and he's got that mama mentality, which is really great to see. Um, and I think that will trump the Miami Heat because 
even though Miami has a lot of great offense, I don't think they have nearly as good as shooters. And I think sometimes they're a little inconsistent on offense than the Phoenix Suns. So I would say the Phoenix Suns would win that series. But I would say in no less than six games for sure, possibly seven games, if if those two were the ones that met in the NBA Finals. All right. My, my pick for the West would be the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And my pick for the East would be the Celtics. I'm I'm very impressed with defensively with both of those teams. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing that I do like that I feel like is kind of underrated on both teams is if one guy goes down, one guy gets injured, mm-hmm. they have 10 more guys who can hit their shots and also still fill in uh, defensively just fine. So for both teams. So yeah. I would have the Warriors and Celtics, and I think I would edge the Warriors just because um, – Steph Curry is that man. Yeah. So that's that. And I did honestly, that is my truth. Honest. I'm not just trying to go against you. I (laughs) I would thought maybe you might have the Warriors possibly, but I was like, I think you're going to go Suns, And I'm glad you did because I wanted to give my honest, my honest opinion on that one. And, and uh, yeah, I, I really think I really like the Warriors and the Celtics that much. So I would love that series too. I think honestly, like once we get to the, uh, conference finals for the final four teams. I think any combination of those final fours, uh, again, I'm assuming it's Bucks and Heat. You're, you know, Boston and Heat, vice versa for the for the West. So I think any of those combinations would be a great matchup. Mm-hmm. And I think we just have some really great basketball ahead of us. So I'm just excited just for the rest of it. And I can't wait to see the matchups. So yeah, I was just thinking like round one, it, there was some really good matchups. There was a f- few hit and miss ones, but for the most part, I feel like these NBA playoffs has been very consistent with these series have been all very equal. It's just sucks that the Sixers don't have their best player. Um, otherwise, I feel like it would be a much more interesting series. But and then I just wish the Mavs had another person. But I mean, I, I I still think the Mavs are going to get at least one against the Suns. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I just, I'm very interested in, in all these NBA playoffs. So, yep. All right, Cody. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we can talk a little NFL and we can talk a little MLB. And then uh, your little, your little quick, quick sports takes my, my, here. So. My game for you. All right, guys. Yeah. We'll be right back. Well, that 30 seconds wasn't long enough. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's a good thing. I like, you know, I I was drinking my tea and normally I got to drink it at the beginning because if I drink it like in the middle of that break, mm-hmm. I start choking and then I'm like, I'm not ready. <laughs> so uh, and I didn't choke this time, so it's all good. good. <laughs> anyway, good. I'm, glad, I'm glad you don't have a drinking problem. That's great. Yeah, no, it's just tea. Honestly, look, it even says tea on it right there. Oops. Same yeah, tea. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna have some, some whiskey today, but uh, you know, running behind, so I was like, ah, just forget <laughs> it. You could have just grabbed uh, a bottle. <laughs> yeah, I could have. 100% I could have. Uh, but uh, I don't think my wife would have liked that too much. <laughs> anyway, um, so Cody, there was actually some NFL talk that was going on, um, specifically with our Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was the uh, fifth year options that the Raiders could uh, pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was between Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abrams, and Cleland Farrell. And um, it says that they were declined 
they mm-hmm. had declined their fifth year. I didn't know they declined all of them. I thought they, um, I thought they picked up Jonathan Abrams, but I I must have read it wrong. So, I mean, do you agree, or do you think that's a bad move for the Raiders? Well, my first initial reaction was when I read Josh Jacobs not getting his option picked up. I winced a little bit, but if I'm being honest, like, you know, he has played the most games out of these three first round players. So clearly, I think he's played something like 43 games compared to Farrell and Abrams. I think they've only each played like 20 plus games each. So he's almost doubled their games. But, you know, um, I, I would be lying if I said that, I, you know, that Josh Jacobs has had, you know, an underwhelming start to his career. I would have thought, you know, it would have gone a little bit further along. Like maybe he'd be a little bit more of a featured back predominantly and, you know, talked in the likes of, you know, like Jonathan Taylor or Nick Chubb, something that's a little bit more of a focal point. And, uh, and again, that could have been the previous regime, which is probably why this new one hasn't picked up these fifth year options. So, I think I'm okay with it just because, you know, we did draft um, a running back out of Georgia, I think in the later round, I want to say fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so this is kind of like a prove it year to all three of them. Uh, you and I have made our feelings very clear on this show about, you know, Jonathan Abrams. I think we universally agree that Farrell's kind of a bust for the position we picked him in. So, you know, if he really is worth his value, then he needs to demonstrate that and have a really you know, big leap forward, uh, you know, but in my opinion, I think I'm okay with this just because these are prove it years or on the last years of their rookie deals. If you want bigger, better contracts from us or other teams, you, you basically, this is your audition for doing so. And yeah, this kind of puts the Raiders in a pretty win-win situation because we would be able to match, you know, any offer to Josh Jacobs or Abrams or Farrell, if that ever came to be, but also too if they produced really, really well to where they got offers elsewhere, it helps us because increased production and, you know, show out seasons just mean more success for the Raiders for this upcoming season that we're hoping for. But, you know, my, I, I think I'm in agreement with this for the Raiders on the standpoint of, we really do need to see what's going on with these picks or with these players that we drafted, especially when they're from the previous regime. So I'm kind of trusting in the process right now. That's, that's where I'm sitting on it. You know, I I have to I have to agree with this. Um, I've never been a, a big fan of Jonathan Abram. Uh, I thought when he came in at first, um, you know, I thought he could be a big time player. Um, you know, and then it's it sucked that basically the first game that he played, he was I mean he was everywhere, uh, and then he got hurt and was mm-hmm. out basically for the rest of the year, which kind of really was was unfortunate. Then he came back the next year, struggled with coverage, um, you know, but he was this hard hitting safety. So you're like, okay. And then the next year he came back and uh, they said, you know, he's gotten better at coverage. And I literally saw none of that. And um, it was just kind of disappointing that it was almost, I wouldn't say it was a step backwards, but defensively for us, it was kind of a step backwards and he was almost, you know, kind of, unplayable then they put him into um you know as we had called it the the box safety or that's what gus bradley was calling it Mm -hmm. and that seemed to suit him a lot better 
but it was kind of like, what other safeties are we going to put there? I mean, we kind of have backup guys who did okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a rookie, uh, Trayvon Merrick, who was – he was good. I, I liked him a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a couple of plays he gave up. But, I mean, as a defender, you're going to give up plays. And, and I understand that with Jonathan Abram as well. But at the same time, you know, you have to be better at coverage. And he just has never – um, elevated that part of his game. And, and so I, I don't think it's more that I don't like Jonathan Abram. I, I think it's more that I'm just very disappointed that he hasn't upped his game more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I need to say much about Cleveland Farrell. He was, he was a reach when we picked him. Uh, he was supposed to be a guy who was going to be a defensive anchor. He never did that. He got way outperformed by his other guy in Max Crosby, mm-hmm. uh, who was picked in the fourth round. And then, uh, as you said, uh, the running back situation, um, Zamir white from Georgia, he was drafted in the fourth round. Um, and he's a really good player. Now I'm not going to go as far as to say, I think this guy is going to be our next starting running back. I think he's good. Um, I think he could potentially be that, but, um, you know, I would say I would have liked them to pick up Josh Jacobs just because um, he is a guy who has done it. But I also have to look at it from this perspective. We do also have Kenyon Drake. We just signed Brandon Bolden and we just drafted this kid white um, out of Georgia. So there's a lot of running backs that we can use uh, Drake proved that he is the better receiving running back out of, out of all the running backs that we had um, maybe, maybe a little bit minus like uh, Jalen uh, Richard who didn't really see a lot of the, uh, the field last year. So we'll see what happens, but I, I tend to agree. I think this is the right move. Exactly what you said. I think this is a prove it year. I think they're saying, Hey, Show us why you should be on the team, and then we'll talk about your fifth-year option after this. And I don't think that's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Raiders have actually been run pretty poorly, and if it wasn't for Derek Carr and Max Crosby just playing out of their absolute minds, and Hunter Renfro, I don't want to misplace him, and Darren Waller, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we wouldn't have been in the situation that we were in. And honestly, you saw that our team got better when Gruden had left. So, and we, you know, made the playoffs. So, um, (laughs) we didn't downgrade in December. We actually, uh, were playing really well and up to what we could have. So, Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see what we can do this year, but, um, you know, it also is going to depend on how Josh McDaniels wants to run his offense. I mean, that's plain and simple. I mean, as much as we want to sit here and go, we love Josh Jacobs, you know, let's, let's keep playing him at the same time. He does have injury history and, Maybe Josh Jacobs doesn't fit what McDaniels is going to want to do. And maybe he thinks he can, but he's going to have to play it a little bit. So he doesn't want to sign. He doesn't want to have that fifth year option on him until he figures out how he's going to fit on this team. Yeah. All right. I think, uh, I think that's all we need to say about that. Um, You know, we, we like to talk about uh, uh, about Raiders, but we can go on and on about it. And, you know, I almost went on a Derek Carr rant, so I had to stop myself. <laughs> um, but, Cody, let's talk about MLB uh, power rankings. And um, I don't know what yours is. I sent you mine. So mm-hmm. uh, yours is going to be new. So do you want me to say mine, and then you're going to respond this time? 
I'm going to be up front. I haven't updated a power ranking this week because I did a lot of these notes and I didn't have time. So I'm just oh, going to maybe no listen to your list and then I'll okay. just ask you a couple of questions on what you were thinking and then we'll okay. go from there. You want me to go one to five or five to one? Yeah, you know what? It's up to you, big man. What you, what you want to do? I think I'm going to go one to five, and um, because I think I think there's more controversy with the bottom than mm-hmm. than the top. Um, for me, number one is is the New York Mets. I, listen, the Mets have been um, at number one for me for the last what two weeks now. Um, they're a dominant team. Their, yeah. their their rotation is good, and I was telling you their weakness is their bullpen. Um, I might have been wrong, <laughs> because um, no, I I think I am I think I'm right on it. I think Edwin Diaz out of the bullpen, he's a fifty fifty guy. I mean, he's one of those guys who he could have a really good day, and he, he's got this, I mean, amazing fastball. But at the same time, if he can't locate it or he's just, you know, throwing straight gas down the middle, guys are going to read it real quick and they're going to absolutely crush it. And to if you can time a 100-mile-per-hour fastball just mm-hmm. right, that thing can go far. So um, he is a guy – and he's essentially their closer. Now, Adam Adovino, who is also in their bullpen, he's had a really good year. Uh, he's been very impressive. Now, the one thing I will say about this, and this is what worries me about that bullpen, is right now Jacob Degrom is hurt for the Mets, and if they and they have like two other guys that could start, and that they've been kind of throwing out there here and there. Uh, I think Peterson was one guy, and um, I, I forget the other picture that they threw out not too long ago, but. These are guys who are, are essentially starters, and they were kind of, you know, now like when Degrom comes back, and you know, obviously you're going to have Scherzer, and you have um, I, I talked about Carlos Carrasco, who's been phenomenal, uh, Tyler McGill, who's been another guy who's just been absolutely money for them. Um, if you have to get rid of some of those uh, guys in the rotation. Chris Bassett, another guy. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to do coming out of the bullpen versus starting a game. It is a different thing. Uh, it is a different mindset. They just got Taiwan Walker back, mm-hmm. who um, is actually, majority, he's a starter. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they do things. But um, I think one of their biggest weakness is the catcher. James McCann is is fine. Uh, Tomas Nito, he's fine, but I, you know, I think they need to get better at catcher, but that could be said about a lot of teams. A lot of teams could, could uh, really benefit from having a better catcher. But other than that, this team is absolutely stacked. They're nothing. If just dominant everywhere that they go, um, you know, like I said, that rotation is just ridiculous. I would kill for that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I thought the Mets were weren't well run as uh, you would like in a dominant team. But to be perfectly honest, um, I think they've overcome that in the sense of they just bought literally everyone, and now it's starting to work. Mm-hmm. You're seeing you know Lindor do Lindor things. 
Max, Scher- uh, Max Scherzer. I think it was kind of a surprise that he went to the Mets, at least for me. Um, you know, of course, them trading for Chris Bassett, them getting Starlin Marte, who deserves more credit than what he's getting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many guys who are just absolutely killing it for the Mets, and good for them, man. The Mets, the Mets do deserve a little bit of glory, and uh, I think uh, I'm I'm okay giving it to them for what two, three weeks in a row now. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two team is going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. We just saw them have a two-game series against the Giants. They completely smoked the Giants. Now, yeah. the Giants are right now in a slump. Um, I will say that the injuries have not helped with their offense, but at the same time, you have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Julio Arias completely shut us down. Um, and then um, Gonsolin gave up a home run to Brandon Crawford, and then after that just ended up, shutting us down and they went to the bullpen and continued that dominance. So I, again, they have a pretty good, um, they have a pretty good bullpen. Their rotation right now, I think is, see, I kind of, I seem silly saying, saying this, but their rotation isn't as dominant as what we're kind of used to. I mean, yeah, Kershaw's there, uh, Walker, Rios, those are your one, two, three hitters. Um, but after that, they do kind of like Gonsolin. He's okay. I'm saying that, of course, and he just dominated us. But they don't really have that, you know, four or five solid starter. So I would mm-hmm. say that's kind of a weakness for the Dodgers. But, I mean, it, it's proven that they can score runs whenever they need to. I mean, yeah. when you have Mookie Betts, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux is a guy, I, I've talked about this guy. This guy could start literally on every other team except for the Dodgers. They have to find other places to put him because uh, they're so freaking talented everywhere. Uh, you got Max Muncie, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith. I mean, this team is just absolutely stacked, and and um, God, I, I really can't wait until they play the Mets because that's going to be really fun. Yeah, that'll be a fun series. I'm upset at my Giants that they didn't really put up a better fight. I do understand the excuses, but I'm not going to say them because I don't think, um, I don't think it's right that the Giants should still die like that. <laughs> I think yeah. if you're still going to be a competitive team, no matter what you're going through, you need to show that you can come over adversity. And right now it's not really showing. So, yeah. um, but good for the, I mean, the Dodgers, like I said, if, as long as they keep winning, they're going to be on my top five, no matter what. Um, number three for me, this to me is surprising so far. Uh, the new, the New York Yankees, I, I'm very shocked of how well they're doing. Their rotation is not as strong as he would want it to be, uh, but they're making it work. Their bullpen, they got some really good studs, and they have some really guys that they just had to add. Um, so that's a little worrisome. Uh, they're running some new catchers this year, which has been okay. Um, but Anthony Rizzo has been playing really well. DJ LeMahieu is getting back to what he needs to. Um, Marwin Gonzalez has been a nice little player for them. Uh, Torres has been, has been good. Um, you know, Joey Gallo has been absolutely miserable. I had him in fantasy and I, I let him go so long ago. 
<laughs> I could, I yeah. could not handle it. Um, Aaron Judge, I mean, I don't need to talk about Aaron Judge. The guy's a freaking beast. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, he's been fine. So they've been, but I think what I really like about this is they're not really having these like dominant performances in the sense of like, you know, Garrett Cole is like having an ERA of 0.75. I mean, Garrett Cole, let's see, his ERA right now, I believe, is over four right now. Um, and they're still finding ways to win. Excuse me, that's wrong. He's got a three ERA. Um, but I mean, still, he's not been like as dominant as he normally was. And they just find ways to win. I mean, they're scoring runs. They're, you know, their bullpen is is doing is doing fine. They're just getting guys to 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 just play. And mm-hmm. I feel like because they don't have all this pressure on them right now, I feel like they are um, playing at a very high level and uh, really benefiting from basically everyone focusing on the Mets right now and not the Yankees and mm-hmm. everyone focusing on the Blue Jays in their division and not the Yankees. So I think they're really benefiting and they're in first place right now. And uh, I think that is a incredible feat in itself because you know how much I love the Blue Jays. Oh yeah. And uh, surprisingly, they're not on my list this this time because um, the Yankees have done pretty well against them. They lost. Uh, they lost on Wednesday to the Blue Jays, but it was a two-one game, mm-hmm. and to me, that was more impressive for the Yankees than it was for the Blue Jays. So, uh, Yankees uh, are my number three team, and my number four team. This is my surprise team, the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Now they're only playing. <laughs> they're playing the Reds right now. Mm-hmm. The Reds are not special, unfortunately. I don't mean to be rude, but uh, the Reds are nothing to you know. Hey, that's a great win, but they they have been you know they've played the Cubs, they've played the Orioles, they played the Cardinals, they played the Pirates, Phillies, uh, Giants. One game, which was a weird. Uh, thing that they did um so my thing is this the cubs are a good team not great orioles are not great uh cardinals are okay the pirates are not good the phillies are okay so they're just they're not playing a lot but i think what we had talked about last week is they're winning They're winning their games, Mm -hmm. and that's all you really need to do. And in the NL Central right now, I think there is enough turmoil to say, like, listen, no matter how, how, you know, who they're playing, the Brewers are still winning. They're doing a great job. Yes, you have the Reds. Yes, you have the Cubs who, you know, aren't great and the Pirates. But I still think the Cardinals are always a good team. I mean, the run differential for the Cardinals is a plus 30 right now, which is good, really good. And they just beat the Giants today as we were recording. So um, I do think the Cardinals are had a slow start, but you're going to start seeing them pick up. Mm-hmm. And the Brewers, they're just... They're just, you know, going through guys. I mean, they have a good uh, rotation. They have a okay bullpen. And their starting lineup, they are just a bunch of guys who want to win, who are competitive. And I really like that. They're not these, you know, superstar names. And I, and I really like that about the Brewers. So I'm going to put them at number four. I can see them falling out of my top five uh, either next week or the week after that. But right now I'm going to give them credit because I do like that they're winning 
I mean, it's 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 just as easy to win or lose some of these um, series as it is to win some of these series, and uh, and I think um, winning is important. So you don't say, <laughs> yeah. And then my number five team, I'm going to give it to the Angels. I I still am high on the Red Sox. Um, they're struggling with their rotations right now, and then their bullpen in Boston. But Shohei Otani today pitched in Boston. This was the first time that he had pitched in Boston. And not only did he, um, well, first he got to, I, I thought it was really cool. I didn't, I, I actually just learned this, that you can still pitch and DH at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then if he is removed as the pitcher, he can still be the DH for the rest of the game. I thought that was really cool. Um, but anyway, Otani went seven innings, allowed six hits, no runs, 11 strikeouts, and just looked un- unhittable in, mm-hmm. in Boston. I mean, it was six scattered hits, um, and then he also added uh, two hits himself in this game. So I'm just so impressed with Otani. Um and I'm, I'm very impressed with Mike Trout. And that was the other thing. Mike Trout didn't even play in this game for the Angels. Mm-hmm. And yet the Angels won this game. I mean, Taylor Ward has been a godsend. Um, and you know where Taylor Ward is from, right, Cody? No. You don't know where he's from? Oh, I thought you did. I'm sorry. I no. didn't mean to put you on the spot and make you feel bad. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Taylor Ward is, is from Fresno State. And I actually, oh, okay. just, I actually just saw a picture where... It was like Fresno State's outfield in 2016 was absolutely stacked because it was Aaron Judge. Uh-huh. Then you had Jordan Luplo, who is actually playing on the Diamondbacks right now, and he's actually been an everyday starter. Um, and then Taylor Ward. Oh, okay. And it was just like those three were the outfield for Fresno State. How did we not win more? It well, was like incredible. So, so the only reason why I know more about uh, Ward now is because obviously he got AL player of the week last week and he's tanned it up in fantasy baseball in our league. And I know that you picked him up and I was like, okay, he's got to be legit. If you are going to, if you are going to sacrifice a, uh, a waiver wire to go and get a player. Cause for those that don't know about our fantasy league is you are probably this, you are probably like the most frugal guy when it comes to like adding and dropping players, you will not do it. You will, have a guy on your roster for God knows how long. Yeah. Almost towards the end of the season before you make a change. And for you to have done it this early means like, yeah, this guy's for real. So that's how I've gotten to know uh, Ward <laughs> over the last couple of days or about a week now. Yeah. So Taylor Ward has been absolutely crushing and, and it just seems like he's getting ahead every game or he's hitting a home run every other day. And he's just been, he's been an absolute beast and it's funny because uh when the angels signed anthony rendon they thought he was going to be that guy they thought he was going to be the guy to um you know with with trout and then well they signed rendon so they thought it was gonna be trout and rendon uh and then this otani kid came and then it was trout and otani and then they thought you know then you have rendon that's crazy and i feel like now it's you know trout otani Mm-hmm. Ward and then Rendon. And yeah. now I'm okay with if Rendon is your fourth guy, 
I think that's okay. I, I've never been high on Rendon like a lot of other people, but he is a good player. He is a good hitter. Um, and um, when you have three top-tier guys who are hitting at the top of their game right now, and then you also add in a Rendon, this is a tough team. And I, I've said this last time um, about the Angels. I'm very impressed with their with their rotation right now. Um, I do think their their biggest weakness still is their is their bullpen. Uh, they're going to have to get better there. But you know, um, I've been very impressed with a Patrick Sandoval, uh, Noah Syndergaard, obviously Otani pitching the way he does. Um, that's your one two three punch right there, and um, that's a that's a tough tough ask. And their catchers, Max Stassi and uh, Kurt uh, Kurt Suzuki. Both guys are, are very good um, at catchers. They're they're guys who are seasoned, so they're not going to hurt your team, and and they're they're also going to help you behind the plate. Jared Walsh, um, I think, is a very underrated player. We had already talked about Anthony Rendon, uh, David Fletcher. He's a nice leadoff guy. He's a traditional leadoff guy who uh, makes contact and is very fast. Um, and then, you know, I don't, I don't need to talk about Mike Trout or Taylor Ward, but, um, you know, Brandon Marsh, he's been really good too. And, uh, his beard, I mean, I, I was telling, uh, our friend Brad, um, at work today, we were watching the angels and the Red Sox. And, uh, I was like, you know, it's really, it's really awesome to see that Jesus plays for the angels because Brandon (laughs) Marsh looks exactly like, uh, Jesus. So, (laughs) but that is my top five, um, you know, probably subject to change again, but um, I'm starting to see more angels in, in, in my, in my notes and trying yeah. to see who I'm going to have. And uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with the angels. I do think the, sh- the other shoe will drop for them, but as mm-hmm. of right now, they're, they're playing top five ball. I think my only thing about your list I would change is I'm okay with the Mets being number one, clearly that they are a juggernaut of a team. According to, you know, they're obviously leading the league in wins. I would probably say though, I would flip your Yankees and Dodgers just because I think the Yankees just had a nine game winning streak that was, you know, ended by a one run game by your Mm -hmm. Blue Jays who you had in your power five last week. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the Yankees have more quality wins. Dodgers, as you just mentioned, have a pretty stacked roster. I, in my opinion, I think it's more stacked than the Yankees. But the Yankees, in my opinion, have some better wins recently. But again, it's we're splitting hairs at that point. They literally could be two A and two B. I just just for you know visually, I would probably say maybe Dodgers three rather than two, just because of things that are going on. I like the Brewers where they're at. The Angels, I'm still not a believer of the Angels. I think that they're still a team that is doing really well early in the season. But mm-hmm. maybe it's Joe Madden, now that he's their manager, is going to turn this around. I just don't know yet. They've given me too much in history to show that they look great to start and then they don't finish well. I think a team that basically you've been calling for as a team that's gonna, that's coming is the Padres. You know, they're basically fifth in the standings as as it stands today ahead of your angels that you mm-hmm. you have in your power five. And then I would also say too another team that you might want to or two teams specifically that you might want to watch out for is the Rays and you might want to watch out for the Cardinals 
Cardinals starting rotation is a little bit older, but they're they're really good. And they've got a really good hitting lineup as well as they just played the the Giants tonight. But they also got power and they've got conventional hitting within that lineup. So, you know, I would say that the Angels need to they can keep this up. That's great. But they've given me too much history to show that they can't maintain it. So I would I'm just a little weary of that. That's uh, all that I would probably say to counter your your power rankings right now. But. You know, this is yours. It's it's fine, but uh, we'll see what it looks like next week. Yeah, I I honestly predict that the Brewers will definitely be out. Um, just because, like I said, they haven't really played them in any quality teams, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? That's why I put them up there to put the pressure on them because they'll never watch this. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll uh, kick something into gear. <laughs> yeah, maybe. All right, Cody. Your time to shine, buddy. All right, man. So <clears throat> I got this inspiration, as I was telling you, because last week or two weeks ago, I think it was, we had a Kyrie Irving topic and you kind of sprung it upon me where you basically didn't give me any time to think about anything. And I had to just give you real life action because normally behind the scenes, Obviously, we come up with topics. We each do a little bit of research. Half the time, we don't know what we're going to side with. And so, but most of the time, we also kind of have a general idea. So Mm -hmm. these quick takes I want to give to you, I just want your initial answer. And without you having to do any research, I just want a a pure authentic thought, which is where this comes from. And I thank you for the inspiration when you you sprung this on me regarding the Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. You made it sound bad. No, no, I, I love it. It actually, there's a lot that goes on in the world of sports that we always talk about. We can't always hit. So yeah. this was something I'm very excited that I wanted to do because I just want to know your perspective because it's probably the last time we talk about these specific topics because they're going to be gone before we know it. That's true. So I want to kick off the first one with your favorite <laughs> NFL quarterback of all time, Baker Mayfield. I want to know <laughs> why you think he hasn't been traded yet. And if he will get traded anytime soon, um, I don't think he's been. I don't think he's going to be traded. Uh, I'll answer that one first because I don't think there's a market for him. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Baker Mayfield is a guy that a lot of teams want. I mean, the Panthers have been kind of floated out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who's the other team that has been floated out there for him? Um, I think yeah, the Giants have. The Seahawks, yeah, I think the Giants have. I've heard their name. So, I mean, there are some teams that m- might take them, but to be honest, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure the Browns are asking a lot more than what you're going to actually get for Baker Mayfield. And I think if the Browns were smart, they would cut bait with Baker Mayfield. I think they should release him. Because all this nonsense is going to go further and further. Mm -hmm. And not only are you dealing with the Deshaun Watson thing, but now you're going to deal with Baker Mayfield. And then you're going to have to deal with it in the media and this and that. I -hmm. think you just need to cut bait. I understand teams want to get something in return for something that they invested so much in. But I think you've already 
submitted that, hey, we're done with Baker Mayfield because you just went and got Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's any secret that Deshaun Watson would probably start over Baker Mayfield. Now, if they feel like maybe there's something else that could potentially come up on Deshaun Watson where he could have a suspension or something, mm-hmm. then maybe they do hang on to him. But if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm like, I'm not going to play for you guys because I'm not your long-term goal. Yep. I'm just kind of your short-term goal. So I think it would be a less. You've already dealt with so much headache with Baker Mayfield, especially with all this being in the media. He's already hit these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just all the, I think just cut bait with him. Let whoever wants to sign him, sign him, and you can be done. I like that. All right, so we're going to stick with the NFL. And as you know, there's another quarterback that made an interesting comment today regarding a teammate of his. And I want to know, what are your thoughts regarding the comments that Tannehill had said about his new teammate, Willis? Ryan Tannehill's trash. That's what I think. No, um, I understand what he's saying. I understand that he's saying, it's not my job. You know, I'm, you know, that's the coach's job type Mm -hmm. of a thing. I, I understand what he's trying to say. But at the same time, I criticize Brett Favre for doing this. I criticize Aaron Rodgers for doing this. Mm-hmm. That it's, yes, it's not your job. Okay. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're blaming the player, not the team. Mm-hmm. And I think your blame is going to the wrong people. And I think you're just trying to be petty to be petty. I think you're just trying to be mad to be mad. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of people who are on Ryan Tannehill's side. I know there's a lot of people who are not on Ryan Tannehill's side. I don't think he's a bad guy for saying it. I just, even if that's how you feel, you you don't say that. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's not a good look. It just makes you look like you're just in your feelings. You're upset. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a good look for a seasoned veteran quarterback in the NFL mm-hmm. who in my eyes, has not proven much. Yeah. And so for me, I felt like it was like a Tennessee probably going, well, as soon as Malik looks like he can start, looks like he's going in. I mean, I think it makes it that much easier. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. For, for me, I understood where he was coming from, but at the same time, I felt like you could do the Alex Smith thing. Alex mm-hmm. Smith was still at the top of his game and they traded for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Alex Smith wasn't playing well. He just wasn't this like, you know, guy who could throw it, you know, a million miles far or a guy who just had all this talent in the world. I mean, Alex Smith was a good quarterback. He was a smart quarterback. He went with a safe play. He mm-hmm. never really turned the ball over. Um, that's what you got Alex Smith for. That's what you knew you could. And to be perfectly honest, he was getting the Chiefs in the playoffs every year. They just couldn't get over that hump. Right. And Mahomes was that guy. And I think he knew it and he saw it. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to help this kid. Mm-hmm. I want this Chiefs team to be successful because what have they done? Oh, they've helped me, you know, revamp my career and, and pull me forward. And I think it's kind of similar in Tennessee where, he was kind of, I'm going to use the word again, trash mm-hmm. in Miami. And he comes to Tennessee and he saw some success. When he was 
when he was bumping heads with him and Marcus Mariota, who was going to start, who was going to start, he stepped up and he won that job. And then the next year with Arthur Smith, he had a really great year. He looked, I mean, you you were talking about top 10, mm-hmm. you know, he was having that good of a year. And then all of a sudden they lost Arthur Smith and they, he didn't have that great of a year last year, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that means he's bad. I just think it means that he understands what Tennessee has done for him in the sense of they have revamped his career. Yes. You lost AJ Brown, but they never drafted Malik Willis saying you're not going to be the starter. Right. (laughs) So I'm not understanding where the petty is coming from because to me, it's more like you're just, I mean, no one said that you're not going to play. It's just, are you going to help him or not? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Moving on to a different sport other than football. <laughs> I'm going to take it to baseball, your favorite sport. Yeah. So as you know, I think it was last night, former Giants pitcher, uh, Mad Bum, he got tossed after a hand check from Ump checking him. And Ump did not break eye contact with Bum. It was and weird. To- and tossed him out. So I just yeah. am curious. What were your thoughts when that happened? And was it Bum's fault or was it the umpire on a power trip? I would say I would put more of the blame on, on the umpire. I think it was, first of all, it was weird. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go look at it. It was kind of weird. It was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said something that he shouldn't have. And that's Madison Bumgarner in a nutshell. Madison Bumgarner finds reasons to get mad. That's what he did in San Francisco. That's what he's done his whole career. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's it's great. Whatever. Yada yada. I mean, it made the Yasiel Puig, you know, Giants Dodgers rivalry that much more intense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes it was just like, dude, just I mean, let it go. I think he way overreacted on it. I think he could have just said something simple like, you know, you know, why don't you take a picture? It lasts longer type thing. Versus uh-huh. like he was. Uh, I mean, I. I don't know the exact thing that he said, but I know it was something along the lines of like, if you're going to look at me like that, or you're going to do that, why don't you just go to the minors where all the kids play? Uh And it was just like, well, I mean, why, why don't you just, I, I I don't know. Sometimes Madison Bumgarner bugs me on that sense because he just finds reasons to get mad. Um, And I know some people use it as motivation to, to play better, but I just felt like in that moment it was, it was unnecessary. You're coming off the field. Just let it go. You like make fun of the ump in the dugout with, with your guys in the <laughs> dugout. You're like, did you see how long he stared at me? That was weird. So it was the ump's fault. He, sh- I mean, I don't know what he was doing, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think Madison Bumgarner took it to a higher level than what it needed to be. Follow up question regarding umps. Do you think that umpires should be, um, like taken away from baseball and maybe gone to more of a modernized, like officiating because of this, because, you know, this isn't the first incident where some umpire has gone on a power trip and influenced the game or, you know, has uh, tossed out a player to show dominance. So what are your thoughts about that? Like, do you think the MLB is going to a place where umpires are, going to have less power or just be taken out of the game altogether. I mean, I think it's possible that they will, but I hope they don't because 
I love the human element of baseball with the umpires. I've, I've said that about the NFL. I've said that about the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think replay is nice, but at the same time, if it's taking too long, I would almost rather not have it than have it. Because mm-hmm. with some of these, like especially with baseball right now, where some of these reviews, they're so quick. They're just like, oh, yep, nope, he's safe. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, nope, he's out. And then there's other reviews where it looks pretty obvious, but they're like trying to make sure that they get everything right. And it was just like, you know what, if we're just going to keep doing this, then just keep the human element of it. Mm -hmm. Does it sometimes suck when you're on the wrong end of it? Yes, of course. But at the same time, I feel like the human element is why sports is more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a close play at first base you know, whether they turn a double play or not, I think that's very exciting. So, um, you know, and, and when you start getting technical, it's just like, I mean, I was talking about it uh, with with my father-in-law not too long ago where we were talking about uh, someone stealing second mm-hmm. and the guy slid into second. This was at a Fresno State baseball game, slid into second, but he kept going and the guy just held the tag on there and he eventually came up just for a second and he's out. And we're like, I mean, back when when I played as a little kid, you know, you were taught to swipe quick and and let go, you know, because Mm -hmm. you don't want to just hold it because that's going to piss people off, first of all. And second of all, it's not going to do anything. They used to Mm -hmm. if even if you came up for a second, they didn't care. But now it's like you have to hold it there until, you know, they call time. And it's just I don't know. I don't think it's great for the game. I feel like it's more exciting when there are more stolen bases than mm-hmm. someone just barely coming off for a split second and he's out because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the laws of physics, <laughs> you yeah. know, is against you. So um, that that's kind of my um, my opinion on umps. All right. I got two more for you. I think I'm going to give you the Lakers one first. And then the second one is a little bit more. I don't want to save a serious topic, but. I know it's going to require more time for you. So earlier this week, there was a report that came out that Phil Jackson is helping the Lakers in their head coaching search. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Nope. Bad idea. Um, Why is that? I understand why they're doing it there. I mean, I know Jeannie bus. I was going to say has a thing, but that's, that's a thing for Phil Jackson. That's, that sounds, you know, not well, what I mean. Well, it but... is accurate. They are engaged, and I think they're actually... I don't even know if they're married yet, but I know they're engaged. So. Are they really? They've been in a relationship for like 20 years, dude. Are you being serious right now? I'm pretty certain they're still in an intimate relationship. They've been together for like 20 to years. You, you're I'm... lying to me, and we need to look this up. Anyway, um, I, I don't know. I just... I don't think this is a good idea. I just, I, he's been out of the game. I mean, when he did the whole Knicks thing, he didn't mm-hmm. go well. Right. Um, and he was just there for a paycheck. Now, does that mean he's, he's no good no more? No, I, I think he's, I think he understands what to look for in a coach. I'm not saying right. that he's just absolutely completely out of touch, but at the same time, the game has changed since he was a coach. Coaches were, were very important, like almost, as important as, you know, the number one guy on your team. Now mm-hmm. coaches kind of are like your your third and fourth. Like as long as the coach knows how to coach um, uh, defense, 
mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be okay because all you need are these shooters now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Kerr was a great mentor to Steph Curry and, like, just took his game above. And then, you know, he got Draymond Green, who's this defensive anchor. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think – it makes the Lakers look – like they don't know what they're doing in my yep. opinion like it, it just it's a bad look so i don't mean to say like oh phil jackson doesn't know what he's doing i think he could find one and i think it would be fine but at the same time it's like if i'm seeing this about oh the lakers should trade anthony davis they should trade you know they signed russell westbrook and <laughs> now it looks awful and they got rid of you know mark ingram or mark ingram uh brandon ingram and and um you know, Lonzo Ball and, you know, they got rid of um, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, Alex Caruso. I mean, they got rid of Julius Randle. I mean, all these guys who are now playing very successfully uh, in the NBA on other teams. um, And now you're going outside and saying, hey, Phil, you know, I know you haven't coached in like, you know, 15 years. Can you look for a coach for us? Mm-hmm. And it's just is I think it's just a bad look to be honest. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a bad idea. I, I I don't think it's impossible to find a coach. And like I I don't understand why they wanted Jason Kidd to be the head coach, but because Frank Vogel got them there, they're like, oh well, we have to. And it's like yeah. I don't know. I mean, you look in the NFL, like the the Cardinals drafted um, uh, Rosen, Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, that was a mistake. And then next year they got the number one pick. And they're like, we'll get Kyler Murray. Like, I think that's fine. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are like, why don't you give Rosen a couple of years? And they're like, "Uh, or we can just get Kyler Murray and just be good now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and they were right. So um, I just think it's kind of the similar thing here. It's just like they could have just easily gotten Jason Kidd. But for some reason they, they were like, oh, well, we owe Vogel this and I just think COVID and the whole Kobe thing, I think that really affected them. And they just, now I just seem like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I have a, I have a huge opinion about this too, but we don't got time for that. So sorry. No, last one. This one is a little bit more, I don't want to save a serious topic, but I think it requires an in-depth conversation about it, but growing increasingly we've seen NBA players be a lot more confrontational with fans, uh, you know, middle finger gestures as Kyrie Draymond green, Wessel, uh, Westbrook is actually famous for literally confronting fans. Uh, there was a game, mm-hmm. I think a couple seasons ago where he got into an argument with a couple in Utah where there's yeah. a viral clip that went out where he basically was uh, insinuating. If you say anything one more time, I'm going to on everything I love, famous quote uh he's, he's gonna show him what's up and then most recently luca in phoenix also had a confrontation with some fans um so i just want your thoughts like how do you feel about nba players getting into more confrontations do you kind of like the back and forth is it a bad look for the nba what's your opinion if i could cuss on here i would well there's no one but, stopping you but yeah but i i know you, you're not gonna want that but Fans need to shut the F up. Mm-hmm. You need to shut up. Okay. I understand you want to rib guys, you know, but fans go too far. You're drunk. 
you you know you get your you know there's tailgating i just recently went to a tailgating thing which was so fun by the way but um you know you're tailgating you guys are eating you're drinking you're having a good time you know you guys are just you know making all these all kinds of jokes and then you go into the game and then you still want to continue those jokes and you're continuing to drink so it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's just then you start saying things that you shouldn't and um i just think that fans go too far at some point I understand. I think it's okay to boo a guy when he's not playing well. I think it's okay to, you know, yell at the other team. You suck. I think that's fine. Like, you know, especially like if you're the Lakers and Celtics and you're in Boston, like I would, if I'm a player, I'm anticipating that I'm going to hear a lot of you suck. Okay. It just comes with the territory. But at the same time, a lot of these situations with like, Westbrook, Draymond Green, um, and, and Kyrie Irving. I've heard multiple times where they've heard nothing but racial slurs toward them. Mm-hmm. And it's unacceptable and it shouldn't happen. And if that's what they're saying to you, I have no problem. I would have no problem if there was a racial slur towards Russell Westbrook and he went in those in the stands and smacked the crap out of that guy, I would have no problem with it because you don't get to say that in the real world. You don't get to say that because you paid, you know, maybe a hundred dollars for a ticket. Just mm-hmm. because you paid that money doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want. I know everyone wants to say this is a free country. This is a free country. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Yes, there is freedom of speech, but there's also freedom to retaliate if you're going to be an absolute a hole. And um, I just think that it's. Like, I mean, we, we see with NBA players, they'll talk smack, they'll talk smack, but they never go over the line. Like, I, I was just listening on, on Colin Cowherd today. He had Steven Jackson, and he asked him about how uh, would he have, like, roughed up, you know, the the Warriors like, um, like the uh, Grizzlies did. And he said, no, what I would do, and he goes, I had one time where I had to guard Dirk Nowitzki, and he goes... Um, you know, I was talking a little trash, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here all day or, you know, you're not going to get a shot up, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the regular old trash talk, but he goes, my trash talk was more like, I'm going to be in your face all day long. I'm not going to let an easy shot go up mm-hmm. You're, I'm going to be there every single time. And that's going to be my talk. That's going to be how, and I think like that is, that's so good. Like, I don't understand why fans have to get involved in this like just because you paid a pretty penny for your ticket doesn't mean you get to go on the court and play you know so Mm -hmm. why do you get to say whatever you want to like that doesn't make sense and plus two most of these fans say this crap and there's kids around there's always kids around Mm -hmm. always and so it's just it's unacceptable for me you don't get to say whatever you want just because you paid some money for it it's so much crap um, I, I side with the players because I just recently I went to a Fresno State uh, baseball game and this guy was we kept calling him two beer uh, two beer Tom because first of all this guy wouldn't sit still he was he walked all over the the uh, stadium like mm-hmm. the whole game he never like sat in one spot for like five minutes 
and he had two beers in his hand at all times. And so we were like, hey, two beer, two beer Tom's over there, two beer Tom's <laughs> over here. And um, he was just yelling the whole time. And it was just like he was learning the names of of the opposing team that they that we that Fresno State was playing and was just like yelling at the top of his lungs. And yeah, it's funny a couple of times, but after a while it was like the whole game and it was like, dude, shut up. It's not funny anymore. Like you've completely killed it. Mm-hmm. It's run its course. Come up with something new or sit down and stop talking. Like it's just it gets annoying after a while. I understand you want to say a couple of things that's fine. Like you want to say you suck or you want to yell at the player's name and just like try and get in their head a little bit. That's fine. But to go to as far as like saying it all game, going with racial slurs, going with, you know, um, you know, your mama jokes, like, it's just like, okay, there's a certain point, like just shut up, mm-hmm. like sit down, shut up and, you know, enjoy the game because for people like me, when I'm at games, I like to, I know this is crazy, but I actually like to watch the games and see how the game is played. And when someone's yelling over here, like right next to me, it kind of makes the game not so fun anymore mm-hmm. um, because all my focus is going on this guy or this girl. And all I want to do is just watch the game. Yeah, actually, there's a video I've seen too where I it's, it's Katie. I think they're in some away team. I don't even think they're in Brooklyn or maybe they are in Brooklyn. And I think it was this season where a fan had said something to him and Katie turns to him and says, why don't you just sit the F down and enjoy the game? Because the guy <laughs> was getting a little rowdy and he just kind of stopped it real great. quick. Some of my great. favorite clips are like Katie just talks to a fan and just tells him to just shut up. Now that I yeah. can enjoy, but you know, I agree. There's, there's something about people that, when you when they give money they feel a sense of ownership of something yeah. and it becomes too much like they feel like now they own that person too and you know some nba players i've heard have have compared it to being like in a in a zoo and they're like they're they're like the animals yeah. and people treat them like animals and yeah. really like they're people like you wouldn't say this to me on the street just randomly so why do you think that this is an appropriate place now Fans, you know, again, like what you're saying, trying to distract the player, you know, screaming, you suck. Okay, that's another thing. But once they cross the line and they are now taking like personal jabs, racial jabs or anything of that nature to where it's no longer now heckling, you're now insulting. That's Mm -hmm. that's, I think, uh, a big deal as well. So anyways, man, that was all the topics I had for you. I figured that last one would be a pretty heavy one. I'm I'm happy that you delivered well on it like i knew you would so thanks appreciate it (laughs) all right well i think that's it for us man yeah so we appreciate you guys so much for listening um thank you if you're watching this on youtube and if you're not um shame on you uh but no we appreciate you however you're listening to it or watching it uh we we appreciate it whether tiktok um, you know, podcast, YouTube, whatever it is, we, we do appreciate uh, all that stuff. So thank you so much. Um, we do appreciate that. So go subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not already on it. Um, and uh, like and comment on all of our videos. We want to hear from you, uh, especially, you know, about some of these topics. You know, what do you think? What are your thoughts on these? We always want to hear that. Um, go listen 
to our podcast on all the major podcast sites, which is going to be uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, iHeart. So go check this out and subscribe, rate, and review. Anything and everything does help. Trust me, it does. It helps a lot. So please go do that. We want to hear hear from you. And if it's a one star, um, you know, just leave it as a one star, and you know, don't tell us anything else. We don't need to know uh, hurtful words. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But of course, if you're going to leave a one star, just let us know what you don't like, and, and that way maybe we can uh, get better at that. And if it's a five star, uh, let the other let the one star person know that uh, you enjoy it. So, and then uh, go check us out on all of our uh, social media sites. We are on TikTok, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Cody, I know you're going to be talking about Facebook. Uh, you can actually listen to the podcast. Uh, I just saw that they it looks like they're going to get rid of that on Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, and I think it's in June. June third, so, I think, is the date that they are okay. getting. They're scrapping the podcast to be able to listen to it on Facebook. But we're actually available wherever you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Google. Those are go. like the those are the major players. But we're available on all the other ones, so you can also check us out on Anchor, which is our which is the main platform that sources out our episode as well. Absolutely. So, um, and then uh, also go check out FNX, our partners at FNXFitness.com. Um, they have great workout gear, great workout supplements. Um, they sell out quick, so if you're going to go on there. Use our promo code that you can see on the bottom here of the screen, uh, which is Drew Code 15. And if you're listening to on the podcast, um, you're going to get a new description. If you if you miss it um, on uh, on the YouTube, you can actually probably find it on the description in the YouTube as well on the episode or video. God, words are hard right now. Um, so go check it out um, and use our promo code. You can get 15% off your whole purchase just by using that promo code and it does help please go do it um and they have their protein is absolutely amazing so if you're going to get uh your workout supplements get it from there because they are so good um and uh i'm gonna pass it over to cody who's gonna finish this episode Guys, we just want to thank you guys for watching and being loyal fans and hanging in there with us. Uh, this, again, is our first live stream episode, so we will be doing these on a weekly basis. If you miss the live stream so, show, you can obviously watch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, we will also be making little clips of the show as well and, and uploading them. And also, do not fret. Just because we're live streaming does not mean that we will not be recording podcasts. Obviously, we will be. It'll be up uh, a couple of days after we record because we're recording this on Thursday and on Saturdays is normally when we record or when our episode posts. So with that being said, you guys don't forget you guys can watch all of our previous episodes on YouTube. Uh, go to listen to the podcast of the previous episodes. You guys can check us out on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Drew Code Sports Talk. Uh, you guys can check us out on our own channels as well. They're all linked in the description or the episode card of wherever you're listening to us or watching us. So uh, again, you guys, we appreciate you all for watching and hanging there with us. Uh, we cannot wait to talk to you guys next 
week. And again, just like what Drew had mentioned, interact with us. All the questions that I asked Drew, answer them down below what you guys think as well. So with that being said, guys, we are signing off. You guys have a great night, and we'll see you all next week.